Hey there, I'm Justin Barber, a 23-year-old designer at Google, and this is my podcast, Shape.Cool. In this episode, I have a conversation with Golden Krishna, a senior designer at Google and author of the book, The Best Interface is No Interface. As we talk, Golden explains why he craves critical feedback in the context of his primary career goals and what it might take to accomplish his dream of pushing the industry forward. Right? Yes, yeah. But I feel like everyone who has author in like their Twitter sure. bio or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Like, do I? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, but then you go look at it, it's like a twenty-four page like ebook, like PDF. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like author, entrepreneur. Yeah. But you're actually a legitimate it's author. Like, you actually publish a book. It's true, not an ebook. That's right, with a real publisher. So you've gone through a certain kind of process. Yeah. And you've put yourself out there in a certain kind of way. Yeah, that's true. And some people like it, some people, some people don't. I was looking at. Uh, at the Amazon reviews. Okay, yeah. And I pulled one out because I wanted to get I love you to it. talk about this broader topic of putting yourself out there. Yeah. <laughs> but great. it has like it has like four and a half yeah, stars on Amazon. It's pretty good actually. Yeah. The total reviews. Yeah. Yeah. They're and not so, like frenzy that they're like legit. Right. Make, Golden, make I know you paid for those. <laughs> <I> know, exactly. <laughs> Username Golden One O Two. Um so this is this is just an excerpt of one of the reviews, yeah. just a little clip. It says, I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to review this book. The premise is really incredible, but the book itself is not that good at delivering the right answers or at least interesting insights. He tries to be clever and visionary, but instead he comes off as whiny and boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, amazing. Um, yeah. Knowing you personally, you're neither yeah. whiny nor boring, right? Yeah. But... Are you recording? Are we? Are I, you yeah. Oh, we're in. Okay, yeah, I didn't realize that you were prepping. Yeah, no, we're in. no, this is this is great. This is real thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just like you put yourself out there in a way, and they don't know you. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how does how do you like cope with that when you've done something like that? Well, um, I'm trying to think about when this first started happening. I mean, it's it's always good to get, I think, positive and negative feedback. Like I. Like when I, I, so I first started writing when I used to work at a place called Cooper, which is a consultancy in the city. And I used to write a, uh, a bunch of blog posts in, in, uh, in their company blog. They actually, it's called the Cooper Journal because the company was founded in 92. And at the time they would print a newsletter and mail it out to lots of people. And then eventually became a blog, which I think kind of like delegitimizes it a bit that it's digital. It's not as mm. precious, but, um, so I started writing a bunch of things and whenever I would write something and I just got positive comments, I'd always feel like it missed my goal because my goal is to push the field forward. And if nobody disagrees with me, that means I'm not introducing anything new that no one's heard before. You know, we're all obsessed with like getting lots of likes and favorites on everything we say, but saying things that are just affirmed by the public, you're not adding anything to the conversation. So I think there is something nice about getting people to dislike what you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean um, you only want people to dislike what you're saying. Um, But it is nice when there's a mix. I actually think it'd be interesting if it was like two and a half stars and uh, and half the people loved it, half the people hated it. That might be like the ultimate achievement. Um, because when a growing number of people agree with you, that means you're, you're less in the change category and more in the accepted notion category. Um, but it's certainly hard to put yourself out there, no matter what you're doing. This podcast for you, for example. It's <laughs> um, not hard. I just sit around and ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And, you know, I, you never know what people are going to say. And sometimes you only get a couple pieces of, a couple pieces of feedback and they're all negative. And that doesn't feel good. And then it's like, well, is it all negative because I'm doing something that people don't appreciate yet? Or am I doing something and it's completely wrong and I'm, I'm missing the audience? Um, whether it's this book or it's just like someone putting their work up on Dribble or something like that, right? There's always going to be some reaction. And I think we want to give everyone positive feedback all the time. It's something that makes you feel, I mean, it's probably what you do for friends. But if we aren't critical to one another, then we're, we're not going to be interesting. We're not going to push the conversation forward. So there's an art to it. You certainly don't want to, you know, be a dick to someone. But, um, you know, we can make each other better, I think, by doing it. So I, I, I welcome the feedback. I think it's great. So, yeah, feedback is a really interesting. I think there's something fascinating about all the whole the whole way we're trained as designers to give each other critical feedback. Um, there's a whole big bucket in there. Yeah. People don't, won't always get it. Right. And there's kind of two roads to that. Oh, I could have explained it better. And then there's a second part, like no matter how well you explain it, people still aren't going to be true. Like get it or be on board with it or whatever. How do you kind of cut your ties or like cut your losses at a certain point? You know, you have to believe in your ideas for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's, it, it does hit a point where you don't want to compromise too far, right? You want to be able to be clear. And I think early on, um, this is, I really do think, I really make a lot of parallels because I am a designer between designing things and writing things. Um, you know, when I wrote in the book, it was a lot of iterative work. So I would write... Um, like, I would write a really roughly how a chapter, I would sketch, I literally sketch it out. Uh, like, this is roughly what it's going to look like and how, what I'm going to talk about. And then I would write, like, a, a paragraph or two. And then if I didn't like those paragraphs, I would just iterate on them. I'd write the paragraph again in a different way, in a different way again, a different way again. I wrote way too much and then we chopped, as you would normally do if you were trying to, like, design a whole system. You design a lot of stuff and say, okay, these are the only things that we're going to go forward with. Um, I think we cut 200 pages from the book, which is a lot. Um, Some of it was rambling nonsense, which is good that it's gone. Um, But I didn't quite know that. I was just making, and I was making as fast as I could. And and anytime, you know, I I thought something was weak, I would just sort of rewrite it or redo it, and nothing was ever sacred. And and so I, I really brought a lot of the design principles I use when I make stuff into writing. And that's just sort of a different form of creativity. Um, but still obviously very creative to write. Um, and yeah, and I think that whole, that whole process is, is all informed by uh, my, my personal, it starts with sort of a lot of my personal reaction, right? I mean, I'm certainly inspired by, um, other kinds of writers and I, that's maybe one of the other true starting points is seeing how other people have done things before. Um, and knowing what I want to do, but knowing what I want to do and defining that problem for me when writing my own book um, means that I'm in some ways the client. And so I need to determine I'm only going to go this far or I'm only going to explain things this much or I'm going to I'm going to stick to my vision um, to this to this degree. Um, and you're right. You can certainly just like you could with anything, right? If you were designing uh, an, uh, an app or or like or a poster or whatever you might be making, you can always compromise too far um, with the client or maybe with a coworker or an art director or whatever it might be, and kind of lose the sense of what it's about. Now, hopefully, if you have the right 
people you're working alongside that won't happen. Um, that may hopefully more likely happen with a with a client or somebody who's a stakeholder. But um, yeah, you, you you hopefully can stay to some some of that vision. You certainly don't want to lose all of it. Um, yeah. If I came into this room and I said that a podcast is a horrible idea, we should just I don't know draw on the wall. Right, right. Then you would lose you lose the basic of the base of what we're talking about here. That's a pretty extreme example, but. Um, but yeah, you do certainly need to have some kind of vision to, to make sure that these things do stay together. Yeah. You talk about feedback in pretty glowing terms. It's pushing discourse forward. But after the book release, did you respond differently to it then than now? Yeah, really? yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. One sort of larger comment, and then I'll, I'll jump back in the book. I, You know, when I first went to art school, it was, I went to CalArts, which is in Southern California, great design program. And I, I, um, had a so, totally different kind of educational experience that I had there than I hadn't had anywhere else. So, like, you know, you sit in most classes and you get assigned either an essay or a test, um, some homework. Um, and that conversation happens between you and the teacher, right? You take the test, you give it to the teacher, the teacher gives it back to you. You write something, you give it to the teacher, the teacher gives it back to you. You have no real understanding of what the other kids are ever doing. Mm. And they're never really teaching you either. Uh, sure, you could study with other students, but those are sort of like very informal things that don't quite happen in the way that you would be ideal. So the conversation in most education is between you and the teacher. And it's a very sort of passive kind of here's a grade, here's a couple comments. Some great teachers will leave lots of comments, but it's not really a conversation. It's more it's kind of a, a back and forth between you and the teacher. Then when I first went to art school and we and we were like, hey, what have you got this week? Put it up on the wall. That was a totally different um, lights, just lights went off on us. Um, that was a totally different kind of experience because all of a sudden I could see where I was, where all the other students were, and I could see the things that were good about my work in comparison. And sure, I was in a graphic design program, so it's very visual, but there's no reason why we couldn't have done something similar in a writing class or in another or in a math class or something. Here's how I solved this problem. Um, and I got to see where I was in comparison. I got to see all the like gaps between where the really good kids were and where I was when I started. And it let me, over the years, like find ways to sort of, you know, bridge that gap. And so going to art school really changed a lot for me. And it forces you to be really tough, I think, yeah. in for critical feedback. Yeah. Um, I think had I not had that experience, when people say something sucks, I wouldn't smile or laugh. I would probably have been hurt. Um, but it teaches you to separate yourself from your work. Um, and when you see that project um, separately, it really is very nice. Um, I, I do remember that after getting the first 20 comments on that piece, um, the guy, um, a, a guy named Doug Lemoyne, who was running the Cooper blog at the time, came into the office I was sitting in um, and said, you know, we're getting so much traffic on this. This is so great. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, it is great, but the first 20 comments are just so positive. That's too much. Someone needs to tell me I'm an idiot or we're not, I'm not saying anything interesting. Yeah. If I'm just saying the sky is blue and everyone's like, you're right, the sky is blue. This guy's thanks for saying. And, you know, there is some there is some value to identifying something that we all agree upon and, and recognizing that thing and solidifying it and saying it is that thing um, so that we can all agree on it. But 
I think it's more valuable to, to find a way to sort of question what we're doing. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like touches into a larger sort of career goal of my own, which is I'm less into a lot of people I think are, are stuck in, um, I'm just kind of rambling here, but a lot of people are, are kind of stuck in, uh, I think a sort of engineering mentality, historical mentality of the more things you ship, the better kind of designer you are. And that's fine. And there are people who are into it. And I think that's great. Um, but as I think about my own goals, I'm not as motivated by that. Now, I certainly want to get things out in the world so people can experience them. But my larger goal is to try to push the field forward. And so whether I'm doing that in my work or my writing or whatever, or my speaking, or whatever it might be, um, that's the real goal. Um, so if I work on 80 things and one of them gets out the door, but it pushes the field forward, that's what it really motivates me. Um, so that's sort of a larger sort of reaction I think I have to what I can do with all of these responses and what I can do with all the sort of side work plus um, core work. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I just think there's, there's a lot of interesting ways to look at and try to think about being a designer. Um, and if I'm not questioning that, then why am, I, why am I here? Where do you think that that career goal started taking shape? I mean, it certainly started when I was in, well, actually, I would love to say it started when I was in high school, but I'd also love to tell you it started when I was about, when I was a little kid. Let's hear about that. (laughs) Let's hear about that. When I was a little kid, my dad was sort of a disciplinarian in the family. My mom was like the nice person. My mom's a very nice person. She's probably the only one who would listen to this podcast. And mine. (laughs) We have two. Your mom and my mom. We're set. We're set. (laughs) So... You know, and I used to think when I was a little kid, I would try to rebel all the time. Um, And I would always, I started to identify very wrongly, but I started to get inspired by um, people who are great, who who are actually great people, um, like civil rights leaders who like pushed the world forward. Um, And I used to think of myself like, yeah, I need to fight. I need to fight too, as like a little kid. Um... Now, that fire in me was mostly just because I wanted to do things I wanted to do, like play video games at home. So I was not fighting a fight like those actual, like, like I used to read about like Jesse Owens and Martin Luther King and, and like that would fire me up. But, you know, I, had, I was misplaced in some ways. Sure. Um, those are actually great people. Um, and so, uh, you know, when that, that was always going on within me and I'd always try different things, but I don't think I ever really came back to that rebelliousness until I ended up in art school where that kind of thing was really encouraged. It's probably the only space in which being different um, is a good thing, right? If you're doing the same work that everybody else is doing and you're in math class, that's great. Actually, that's fantastic. You're not boring. You're in line, and that's what we want. We want you to have that same answer that everyone else has. In art, it's it's a lot of if you're doing what everyone else is doing, it's boring in the marketplace. And that's, I mean, there's some business crossover here, too, where you want to be distinctive and have your product stand out. And that's where design and business can really work together really nicely. But being different is actually really great. Um, and, and, and that idea just bubbling up further and further is like, okay, let's just not be different against, um, you know, other kinds of work that's out there, but be different enough that the kind of work or the kind of thing I can say or do can inspire people beyond, you know, just the small circle that I'm in. That would be great. 
And I remember, you know, when I first, those are some things, some early thoughts I had. I remember first, like, getting on Twitter and reading what a lot of people had to say. Some people were amazing. Some people weren't. Uh, but I really wanted to be part of the, that discussion. Um, not, I mean, not really for narcissistic reasons. It's not about, uh, it's not about me. I was actually disappointed when Twitter added an image at the top because I felt forced to put an image of myself there. Um, but I've always kept like this letter of myself because I just, I don't, it's not about pushing me. It's more about trying to discuss these ideas. Um, I've resisted the urge to even talk about my normal life on social media. I just want to just talk about design stuff, which maybe is wrong. A lot of people tell me not to do that. Um, that if I put a picture of a dog or whatever, I'll get, you know, a lot more social media attention. Um, but I try to just stay on point because I'm trying to just stay focused on talking about design. <laughs> well, do you know what I tweeted about today? Yeah. I was ranking the experience of how many gummy bears you can eat and like how great that taste is. <laughs> but maybe tomorrow I'll post a design article. No, and I think that's fine. I think, you know, a lot of, I, I've gotten a lot of advice. I'm too focused on that. And that's just because that's where my goals came from, right? And maybe I should open up more and talk about some random things. Um, like I could certainly tweet almost every day about the election or something like that, but I, I just resist a lot of that. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure. My social media strategy is not necessarily correct. I didn't have no idea. Um, but I, I just think, you know, having that be the goal and, and having all these things erupt from it, um, just kind of staying focused on like, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. And I try to compare all the work that I do. And, you know, I'm not always reflective, but I would say maybe once a week or once a month, I kind of like thinking about what, why am I here? What am I doing? Why am I working on these things? What am I doing on, my daily, on a daily basis? What are my routines? And should I change them? And and I compare them against my goals. Now, you, my goals can certainly change, but that has been one thing that has been pretty consistent is that I've wanted to do that. And I've kind of solidified, kind of rallied around that a bit. Yeah. Um, maybe as like a post-justification for the things, the time that I've spent, that I've spent on things. But also, um, I do still think uh, of that as a really, really important thing. It's a, it's a way to have greater, um, greater impact on something. Um, and, you know, when I made the childhood comparison against these civil rights groups, those guys were having impact on something that I could never, well, I have never been able to figure out to get to that kind of level. But in the industry in which I work, I think it's pretty important to care about it, um, to care about your job in general, and to care about trying to push things that go around um, your job uh, forward. I think that's a very nice thing, if, if feasible. What are some of the other like career goals that you have? Yeah. Um, well, having reaching a point in which some of this stuff isn't just me trying to do it, but me realizing this, right? Like, so you could say that my, my first big drop in like pushing the field forward was this book in some ways. Um, you could, you could also say like some of the lecturers have done that and you could, you know, there's a lot of people who just have done those things and I think they've lived and had a, a fantastic design career. Um, there is the idea of like getting some, I do also wish that I could get some product or service or company, um, off the ground or in a direction that's completely new. That would be very rewarding. That is really challenging. And I've been kind of trying to do this. So, 
you know, right now, um, as you know, I kind I work in this like vision group essentially right. within Android. And before that, I also was in. I've been kind of jumping around these corporate innovation labs. And I'm not sure if this is the right path or not to kind of accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish. But it's an interesting one that has led to some positive and negative results. So I've been here. And then before here, I was at uh, Zappos, which is known as like an online retailer. And when I when I got there, um, you know, it was, it's a pretty free environment being uh, more like an R&D kind of group. They're like, what do you want to focus on? And a lot of people at the time, a lot of a lot of the group was focused on launching a bunch of apps that are related to shopping. I think there's a lot of value in that, and I think they did some really good job, really good things around it. But I was really focused on, like, can we expand Zappos as a business to something that we haven't done before? So I got to spend, you know, probably about six months uh, working really closely with our CEO, uh, Tony Shea, on Zappos Airlines, and we tried to reimagine, can we enter this space uh, and I can talk about this now because he told the Washington Post about the work. So it's been cleared, gotcha. um, which is really cool. And then we worked on some other things that, you know, Zappos could enter. And they were, you know, I didn't walk away from there having launched an airlines or launched without something else like that. But I learned a lot about how that stuff happens. And they learned a lot, too, because I think in order for any company to survive, they need to be able to understand how to move on from where they are today. I mean, you look at something as, as simple as Netflix, which has evolved a lot in our in our life in the most most recent years, where they shifted from DVD mail delivery, where what's important is like trying to figure out how to stack the most DVDs in a warehouse and like get really soft envelopes so they don't scratch in the mail. If you think about that tactical, like they could have still they could still be working on those envelopes, right? That's a really hard thing to get right. Um, it's really hard to get right to encourage people to mail their DVDs back. So they had all these behavioral studies of how do we get people to watch the video right away and then send it back so our inventory is flowing. It's a lot of interesting challenges there. And you could do that for decades, but they found a way to then you know, start another segment of the company, which was at first very independent, um, which is just online streaming. And it's kind of a, a big risk um, for them. But, you know, if the online streaming failed, they still always had their their mail del- DVD mail delivery. And then they started doing original content, which is almost just a whole separate thing. Um, and all of those parts um, are really interesting because even like the original content could stand on its own if the other two things totally failed. They could license those shows out to HBO or uh, other channels. Um, so I think companies always need to find ways to evolve. So that's one of the things I was really focused on while I was there. Um, and then before I was at Zappos, I worked at, uh, at um, Samsung. We worked on like new products and services for the next 18 to 24 months. Now, some of the things we worked on are still so slowly being released, which is kind of cool to see every now and then, although it's been slightly butchered here and there. Um, it's cool. So like I've spent at least my last three jobs and before that I was at Cooper. So that's my full career there. Um, trying to figure out ways to push our field forward while being inside companies. I've never entered, I haven't yet entered the startup space. I think, um, there are some positive and negative to that too. Um, but I have been trying to get jobs, um, to try to fulfill these kinds of, these kinds of things and do more experimental work. Cause I think it's fun to try to do it. Um, and sometimes the changes are small and sometimes the changes proposed are really big. Uh, sometimes the changes proposed are really small. They tend to 
have more buy-in, people tend to shake their heads. But yeah, I can imagine this. The ones that are bigger, people tend to be a little more afraid of because they've heard no enough times. Um, but those, yeah. So I'd love to reach the point where like, not only am I writing and talking about this, but I can say, hey, look, here's you know two or three products, maybe even just one um, that showcases how I've been able to push things forward. No, I did have have released a bunch of things or shipped a bunch of things, but I wouldn't say anything yet to the degree that I'm describing where you would write, read about in a history book. You know, there's like, there some products that people didn't buy a lot of that are pretty interesting. Mm. I would love to do something that people buy into and are really right. excited about. But, like, a, you know, um, not that long ago at Xerox Alto, they played around with, you know, three form factors for computers. Mm. There was um, uh, a tab, the board, and the pad. And the pad is directly influenced by and helped to generate the iPad. But, you know, it was decades before their vision got realized. But the nice thing about what they were doing is they were were pushing the field forward. Um, At the time, it probably felt like, hey, we're just doing a a lot of writing and talking about this because that's what they were doing. They're trying to get the message out there that they were innovating in Xerox. And probably there were some job security things and other things going on there behind the scenes that motivated them to talk about it more. But um, today, their impact is, is, has been seen, and we do have lots of different form factors that we do carry around with us. Um, and they were the first people who were really talking about it. And that link between what Apple did with their ideas and them generating it is, is decades apart. And if some of the people who worked on it weren't alive to even see it. So they don't know that they are in the history books for those things. So right. there are some things that, are, that, stay, that stayed sort of theoretical. And I would, of course, love to see a bridge and be there at the moment in which those things are happening. And I probably wouldn't even really get credit for it. Probably some CEO would go up and everyone would revere that person, um, which is fine. That's the way things work. Um, I'll give you a call. I'm like, call them. I know. That's the way things don't really happen. But especially really big companies, unless you're a founder of a startup or something, um, and then it's really, and then even that situation, it's your whole team that contributed to it, right? But then we tend to just want to think of one author for something. Because it's easier to digest it that way. But yeah, if something reaches that level at some point, I think that would be a big success. I don't know when or if that will ever happen, but that's the goal. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, like, startup space is a place you haven't been in yet. Yeah. But at, like, fairly large, not fairly, very large companies, right? Yeah. Um, and there's certain challenges in being able to launch a product of that depth or importance versus like the perceived freedom that like startups might have yeah. to be able to do that. Um, like what, I don't know, like what are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, in a corporate environment, politics matter almost more than the quality of the product, unfortunately. It's usually what happens. And and those politics exist just at different levels, corporate versus startup. Even if you are the founder, you probably have other founders with you and there's some politics between your in your dynamic. You probably get to do more things that you like because there's less total people. Um, but you also have less total feedback. And I talked about how, you know, the importance of that, like I've, I've kind of tended towards these sort of larger environments right now because I, I still want a lot of really good feedback and I feel, um, I don't know, there's nothing wrong with me going out and doing these things uh, more on my own, but I feel like I want to continue to grow and learn and get 
the best I can. Um, and, and having, being in a larger environment means lots of people can say, can poke holes into what you're doing. And that can be good. It can also be bad because you can lose the vision, kind of what we were talking about before. So I've, I've tended towards those places. I haven't worked inside of startups. I couldn't tell you, Hey, it's like this or like that. I've only avoided it because I, I truly, it is because I, I think I can learn more, uh, not, not there. But I've considered it a number of times uh, in between uh, in between different jobs, and even being at a behemoth like Google is very different than being at a, a, like a thousand or five hundred person company. Those sure. are also very different scales. Yeah, um, and you can have much more power there. There's a little bit more risk because you've gotten less feedback and there's perhaps less oversight. Right. Um, so if you're especially trying to make some kind of big leap and you're like hey, Zappos should make earrings or whatever, make something up randomly, um, and you don't have good strategy there, someone might um, you know, call, not be able to call you out before right, you go right. to market and fail. And failing the marketplace is another way of learning. It's yeah. not a bad thing either. Yeah. yeah. So when do you feel like you'll know, how do you feel like you'll know when it's time to take everything you've been learning and then go for it? Yeah. Like having enough trust in yourself yeah. to be able to to do that well I, I i certainly have been talking in the in the manner in which it seems like there's inevitability to go to a smaller place but i'm not necessarily saying that i think it's i think it's a couple different paths it's either like being in a position in which i can approve more of these things and that can be a large or small place right so um i think that's what that's the important thing to sort of highlight is like i don't know when that point will will be um i'm not saying that um, I mean, perhaps right now I could do it, you know, perhaps I am just trying to be as, as, uh, as, as much of a student as possible to understand how these things have success. Like being here, um, being at Google has been, it is really nice because I get to see in a really large place how things fail and, and succeed because certainly another thing Google does succeeds um, so it's interesting to see how that stuff happens. And I think, I don't, I don't quite know. I think it's really just the right opportunity yeah. and, and maybe I'm our, and you know, I, I certainly don't want to say that this is not it, right? Like for the time it is. Yeah. For yeah. The, like right now there's a lot of opportunity and perhaps, um, I am already working on, or I'm about to work right. on something that's going to lead towards that path. So this feels like the best place to have that opportunity right now. And that's why I'm here. Plus, yeah. I think I can get lots of really great feedback. Um, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of hard because yeah. yeah, what's to say that you're not already? I don't doing know. That while you're on, I yeah. certainly don't want to be arrogant and say like I can do this thing. I don't know. Honestly, so much of this stuff is luck, and yeah. timing, and guess, yeah. and yeah. Uh, get the right guess. And so, um, yeah, I mean, but I think I think the most important sort of takeaway is is I believe, and you know, it's a never, never sort of stop, never stop fighting for this stuff. And even if I bet you, if I today, let's say today we dropped a product and, you know, it got so much, um, uh, sort of like positive, um, reaction and people thought that it pushed the field forward and did all the things I'm describing. I bet you my reaction to that wouldn't be, I'm done. Right. It would be, let's do this again. Right. Or let's do this at another scale. Right. So I think just kind of always trying to challenge yourself is important. And setting, trying to set my sights on something that's probably not doable is helpful because then I'll never really get there. Yeah. Um, 
I got this chance to guest crit a class at CCA. They have an interaction design program. Um, and before we even started the crit, one of the students said, any words of wisdom before you, we start? And uh, slightly jokingly, but also not, and these kids didn't know me at all at this point, I said, um, your work isn't good enough and it never will be. Mm. <laughs> and everybody laughed, but I, but I, I, I was, it's never good enough for yourself. And it's that, and it's, it's never because you're always going to be trying to fight for this stuff. So you're never really ever done. Yeah. And I think that's true with your work, and I think that's true with your career until you reach the point in which you're, I don't know, I'm no, I'm no, nowhere near retirement. But I feel like um, that is probably due to the amount of energy that I will have left over the course of a day, or maybe some other sort of personal life goal. Yeah. Um, but as long as I am working, I feel like it's important to constantly try to push it forward and think. Can, can I do something better? Can I do something better? Can this be greater than what I'm doing right now? Um, and if it's not, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm failing myself a little yeah. bit. I don't know if you remember this, but shortly after you joined, I was about to give like a fairly controversial presentation. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I remember, so you went on a walk with me and you're just kind of um, giving me some advice. And there are two things that really stuck out to me about that. The first was that you were telling me it's always better to choose the path of uh, bringing people along instead of burning the bridge. You said when you get to a certain level of career, you can burn bridges. But where you and I are, we can't do that yet. <laughs> and uh, which was not only really true, but I was also uh, really struck by the fact that you kind of put me and you in the same bucket. And I thought that that was really kind of you, first of all. <laughs> wow, we're not really at the same places in our career, however you want to slice the pie, but... It was like a really, it was like a really encouraging thing for me. And the second thing was, you told a story about how you kind of did a similar thing at Cooper when you got there, and uh, and the thought that I had was like, well, if I'm starting out my career in any way, like Golden started his, I feel like I'm on a good track. Um, <laughs> so I just want to tell you that because I thought Thanks. that was pretty cool. That's really nice of you. If uh, if your mom wants to listen and she's not <laughs> currently following you on Twitter, where do you want to point people to go to to, <laughs> to find? more info about golden um well i i have besides at golden krishna which is my twitter no interface.com is where you can learn about the book um the if you my hope my sort of url is goldenkrishna.com which just has a paragraph about me um and but that links to a bunch of other stuff like my twitter or my uh or my linkedin or however people try to connect um so goldenkrishna.com or at golden krishna or no interface that come. Choose your path. Choose your path. It's, <laughs> wow, that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. <laughs>